1: Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
0: We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks.
2: Probably tens of thousands of Americans went to India and, um, and they all got dysentery.: I was going to say and, and I would say most of them only came back with dysentery, but you came back with with dysentery and hepatitis. The big
1: two. Um, but you also came back with a um, enduring spiritual experience, and my question is, did, did you ever have one when you were a kid, for instance?
2: Did you ever have a bar mitzvah? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> bar mitzvah was one of the. It was one of the, the most brutal, heartbreaking situations. You know, I had my bar mitzvah and I was collecting checks from everybody. And I had like a $1,000 worth of checks and cash and carrying it around. I'm thinking about all the things I'm going to buy. And at some point, my father comes over and he says, give me the money. I said, what do you mean? He said, give me the money. I need the money. Why? What? He said, I need to pay for the bar mitzvah. <laughs> that was that. Um, have I forgotten it yet? How many years ago was that? Ten? <laughs> 20 years. (laughs) Um, I was brought up Jewish on my parents' side. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was never presented as a spiritual way. It was a cultural thing. You know, we ate together, we ate meals together and yelled at each other and ran around the house and the families got together. But it was never, there was nothing ever mentioned to me that, you know, these this this could be a way to happiness. I, this could help me overcome my depression and the things in my life that were causing me suffering. You know, it wasn't until much later that I heard that there was esoteric Judaism and practices that just like in every other religion. But that was, I was already, you know, Indianized by then. I had already gotten that hit, so that's why I do what I do the way I do what I do. People say, can you sing this and that? I said, I probably could, but, you know, I don't want to sound too esoteric or mystical, but I don't, get, I don't really have a vote about what I sing. I open my mouth and something comes out. And sometimes we sing the same chants for, like, years at a time. It's weird. And every night, as far as I'm concerned, it's new. You know? These poor, miserable people. They <laughs> the same shit again. <laughs> no. The good thing about playing with these guys is that they're into it, too. It's a practice. So it doesn't matter. I mean, what you, what, if it's, you're doing it as a practice, every feeling you have, Every thought you have about it simply becomes something to let go of and come back to the name, come back to the practice. That's the incredible way that this works. You're not pushing it away. You're not evaluating. You're not putting in a box. You're just simply letting go. I'm coming back. And that movement is very sweet because what are you coming back to? You're coming back to here, to yourself for a billionth of a second, and then you're gone again. I tell you, over and over, Maharaji said, Ram Nam Karnese Sabputa From repeating these names, these names of God, everything becomes full and complete. Your lives become Full of everything that's good and useful. And you find a way to deal with stuff that you never thought you could deal with. Stuff that was in your way, been in your way, and you know it's there, and you've worked around it a million ways, but it's still there, and all of a sudden there's a new way to deal with it. It happens from this inner strength that we get from doing a practice. And each of us has our stuff. But the movement back to the heart is the same in each of us also. It's just the, the, uh, the label on the stuff is different, that's all. It's essentially the same stuff for all of us. But it looks different to each of us. Because we see it as part of our lives. I see what's in my life, you see what's in your life.
1: Krishnadas, I understand that you had the good fortune to meet Muktananda while mm-hmm. you were in India. Would you mind sharing some experiences with him?
2: Um, I was living uh, in New Hampshire with Ramdas in the summer of 1970, and we got a letter from Baba Muktananda's ashram saying that he was coming to the States and he wanted to meet Ramdas or something like that or inviting Ram Dass to meet him when he came to the States. And uh, so they also sent this little magazine from the ashram. And the, in the magazine, there was a picture of Baba Muktananda. So I had the magazine in my little cabin out behind the house. And one day I was looking at it, and I felt a slap on my thigh, and I just completely lost consciousness. So I, when I came back, I thought, that was interesting. So I wrote to them, and uh, they said, well, good, you you know, we're coming to America. You can meet us when we come. So as it turned out, I, was, I had already left America when Baba Muktananda left India to come to the States. So I met him in London. He was going to be in London, and we were in London waiting for our, train, our plane to India the first time. This is August 1970. So we went... Uh, to the house where he was staying and we walked in there were two of us or three of us I guess it was three of us and uh, we walked in and he immediately stopped and he looked at us and he said these, these boys aren't English that's of he said right away he said come here so we sat down in front of him and we talked to him for a while and he invited the three of us to come the next morning to meditate with him at four in the morning so by the time we walked back to our, the place we were staying, which was like on the other side of London, it was time to turn around and walk back to get back to the house where he was. We didn't have any money. We were walking everywhere. So we got there at 4 in the morning, and we were ushered up to his bedroom. And, uh, and there he was, this naked sadhu, sitting on a bed covered in ashes. I almost dropped my... I couldn't believe it, you know. I had never seen anything like this, so. So he he told us to sit down on the bed, and he gave us a mantra, and he told us to repeat it, and uh, we were supposed to sit there. So while while we had our eyes closed, he got up, and he walked over, I think, to each one of us, and he put his eyes, he he made like a cross on the top of my head, and he put his fingers in my eyeballs, and he pushed. And I thought, he's going to push my goddamn eyes out. (laughs) And he pushed, and he pushed, and I thought they were going to pop right out. And I said, "All right, well, I'll be blind. What am I going to do?" <laughs> and just at that moment, he stopped, and then he went back on the bed, and we sat there for a while, and then he sent us away, and then uh, he was. Then he continued from there to, to the states where Ramdas met him, and then took him all around the states, and we continued. And then he said, "You're getting into Bombay. we were on our way. I know your guru, but he's up north. You're getting into Bombay. Why don't you go to my ashram for a week and relax when you get in?" So we said, okay. We had no program, you know. We were, uh, so we went, got to Bombay, and took the bus out to Ganesh Puri. and it was very small. There was one hall and some little cottages around. And we were given one little cottage on the hill. Uh, one day I was, I was lying, I was alone in the cottage, and I was lying in bed reading a book called uh, uh, Ramakrishna and His Disciples. And... Uh, I was reading reading. I was reading a part where Sri Ramakrishna reached out with his foot and touched uh, Vivekananda on the chest and Vivekananda began to go into samadhi. And just as I read that part, I, on the, the, I, the book fell from my hand and I fell back on the bed like this and I went into this extraordinary dream and I was shooting up into space, right? Like a rocket. I went right out the top of my head. My eyes went up to where he had pushed. And then I went right up to the top of my head where he'd gone like this. And I was shooting up like a rocket into space. And I was looking around. I'm going, wow, this is cool. You know, planets and stars. And I'm going up. This is fantastic. And I'm shooting. I'm going like this. And all my thought. And I said, did I take acid? (laughs) And just as soon as I said that, I sort of started to fall. And I came down, and I woke up in the bed like this. So that was all his blessings. And then we left and went up north, and uh, we were with uh, Maharaji. We met Maharaji. By the way, I was with Maharaji for two and a half years, and nothing ever happened. Okay? No this, no that. No stars, no planets, nothing. Only one thing. Unbearable, sweet, unconditional love. 24 hours a day, never turned away, always right there. Most extraordinary situation you could possibly imagine. But there was none of that stuff. Just love, um, overflowing, sweet, laughing, sometimes yelling, fruit flying in all directions, barking orders at the people in the temple, looking at people like, you know he, he knew everything, and he showed you he, he showed you that in so many ways. I mean, one day I was just sitting there. And it was tea time, and the cook comes out with a big teapot and a, a, a pail full of coolers, the plat, uh, clay cups. And he puts them out, he starts pouring them one by one and passing them to this group of people. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, why don't I? I should help him. I'll help him. No, that's just your ego. Want to prove how good you are. Just sit here and shut up. I said, but I want to help him. What well, can I help him? No, just be here. Don't do anything. I, I think I should help him. He needs help. I told you to sit there. I'm going to help him. This is me. All of a sudden, my heart, he leans forward to me. He says, would you serve the tea? <laughs> With a big smile on his face. Like, hello, serve the tea. It was happening every day, all day to all of us, you know. There was nothing we could do to turn it off. And if you think that's not difficult, it it's can be very challenging to sit. It's like sitting in the sun all day without sunscreen, you know, on the equator, you know. It's like there's no umbrella. I, okay, I've had enough now, you know. No more is coming. Because this love you just want it you want it and you you want it, and you're you're cut off from it by your own stuff oh it's horrible you know and then you'd be sitting there for days stuck in this place like I'm just a piece of shit I'll never feel anything and it's just horrible and I, it's all my own stuff I do this to myself all the time and boom you get hit in the heart with a banana and you look up in my heart it's going You know, this is, this is how he, this is what he, this he transformed us. He didn't teach. He didn't give lectures. He just transformed everybody around him and planted these seeds of love. Which I'm still processing. I, I haven't even begun to process what I, what I got from him or what, I, what happened to me in, in his presence and happens to me every day because his presence is always here. I'm still just like a, you know, water, there's like a whole ocean full of water, and it's trying to flow through this tiny little straw, which is me. And I know that, and I'm trying to get bigger, but I don't know how, you know? It's weird. So, you just sing. Stop worrying about it. And then you're bigger, when you're not thinking about it. Oh, okay. Do I, do I go back to India? We, uh, that's the question. Yeah, go back a couple of times a year if I can. I, don't have, I can't stay that long these days because I'm so busy. But uh, I used to go back sometimes for three months, you know, three months at a time. That's the longest I went since he left the body. Three months is the longest I've been there. But sometimes I go for three weeks and then again for three weeks. And I just go to the same places I've always been going, meet the same people or the grandchildren of the same people. And, you know, go to the same temples and stuff like that.
0: Could you speak to this uh, dichotomy or ju- juxtaposition of
2: once one lays down the ego and tries to uh, come back into their persona or their individualness, How do they not be boring? How do they not be? Boring. boring. How do they not be boring if they've laid down their ego and they want to relate to people again? How do you have a persona or an ego without having one? It's all ego. We're all on this side, on this shore. It's all ego. Everything we do is ego. Everything a human being does has motivation, personal motivation. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way it is. You can do good with that motivation, or you can do bad. You know, you can do hurtful things or helpful things, but it's all ego. And you don't lay your ego down. Surrender is done by God, by grace. When you dissolve, it's not like you disappear and become boring. Why would, God is not boring. God is all of this nonsense. There's nothing boring about any of this shit. So why, why do you, you see, that's all mind stuff, all of it. Not, number one, you don't lay it down. You do your practice, and it thins out over time. You don't even notice. And when that does happen, when and if you have, uh, when and if you stop projecting onto the universe, your own personal versions of life, uh, all you have is joy. And that's all anybody around you gets is joy. Joy is not boring. So, see, we can't... It brings up an interesting point. You know, I've written some songs in English. And one time I was about to sing one in a big group of people, a big concert. And a friend of mine was in the audience. And she said, when I announced that I was going to sing this song in English the guy who she didn't know sitting next to her went, I didn't come here for this. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) He didn't come here to be sung to in English, right? He came here to do Ram Nam and nothing else. Chant to God. That's what he's going to do. Going to do this. Right? But English, no, no. English is not something else. It doesn't want to know from English. Well, the situation is that being born in the culture we're born in, the issue is we don't have the wiring for happiness. We don't have the wiring. When we sit around with nothing to do, we're not happy because we don't have the wiring. Our our energy doesn't go towards happiness or flow, doesn't let the happiness flow. We don't have the wiring for it. And so... That's why we want to sing Sanskrit mantras, because it has nothing to do with me. It's something else. It's not me. English is the language of our stuff. We don't want to know from it. This is like an underlying program that's running. So, which is why... Now, you might have heard about, like in Tibetan Buddhism, the Bodhisattva path. Which is a great being who says, I will, even though I have no reason to take incarnation anymore, I have no personal selfish desires, I will remain in incarnation, life after life, for the sake of other beings who don't know that this is possible. And to do that, to cultivate the ability to do that, you cultivate... You start thinking about other people, about with kindness and compassion and caring. You start thinking about service to others and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is how we build that wiring that we need for our stuff to flow into happiness. Sitting here and singing Sri Ram Jai Ram, JJ Ram the rest of your life. Depends. It's no guarantee. If you had no thought ever again about anything and you were able to to sing and be merged with this mantra from now until your last breath, there's no guarantee that that would be enough because you haven't cleaned up your mess. You just moved to another room and left your mess in the other room. Eventually, the mess has to be cleaned up. Doing these practices gives us the strength to clean up our messes. Yeah, it gives us the strength to live good lives, thinking about other people as much as ourselves. That's why we talk about that stuff. It's not because we're goody-goody. We want everybody to be goody-goody. If you don't create the flow, the place for these thoughts of happiness and good feelings to flow, they're not going to flow. They're going to just get stuck, which is what depression comes from. There's no place for the joy to flow in our heads. It's, if it's not pleasure, it's pain. But joy is not either one of those. Happiness is not pleasure, and it's not the absence of pain. It's something else. and We don't have the wiring for that. We're trying to create that wiring by doing these practices and letting go of our stuff, little by little. We create some space where we can actually just be at ease in our lives. We're not at ease in our lives, on a general basis. We're edgy, we're dissatisfied. We we want more, we want better. we, We want something else. This is not at ease. But our natural state is completely at ease. But we don't have the wiring for that, to recognize that, to let that expand. So we do these practices, and that's what can come from this. But not if you do it by pushing away the negativity. You can't push anything away. Sooner or later, it has to be cycled through. And through these practices, we get the strength to do that. I love that stuff. When I I hear stories like, I didn't come here for this. What did that person come for? Think about it. What did that person... Okay, he heard I sang mantras, which in Sanskrit or something like that. So he came to do that. But what is it he's angsting about when I said, okay, now I'm going to sing something in English? (sighs) Because English is the language that we talk to ourselves in. And if you're like me, I'm always giving myself a hard time. (laughs) How do we... Replace that hard time stuff with other stuff. It's not so easy, which is why part of the practice is cultivating loving kindness and compassion and equanimity and joy in others' joy. These are the things that we're not good at. We might be good at chanting mantras, but we may not be good at being happy and allowing ourselves to be, live at ease and at Peace. Isn't that what we want? Or do we just want to be mantra chanters? I'm a mantra chanter. I'm an unhappy shit, but I'm a mantra chanter. God damn it. I don't know about you, but that's not a T-shirt I want to wear. I used to. I used to. I, get, I admit, I, that's what I, I... When I started chanting with people, I used to wear black T-shirts... Everything I had was black. All my clothes were black. I was going to be the hell's angel of Kirtan. <laughs> I swear to you, that was, if not conscious, it was unconscious in my head. Praise the Lord, I got over that. Now I wear red all the time. Much better. Right? Totally different thing. Now I wear red because my guru told me to wear red. It's Hanuman's color, he said. He had me dye everything in India. Everything had to be red. My underwear had to be red. My blanket had to be red. <laughs> I didn't come here for that. Good. I'm glad you're here for it then. Because we just keep we just keep reinventing our unhappiness with our thoughts over and over again. My favorite thing when I was with Maharaji, really, aside from him looking right at me and talking to me, which was, you know, fantastic. But my second favorite thing was kind of standing on the side, just behind his bed, and watching the faces of the people who were looking at him, right? Like people would come, you know, and they... And by the end, everybody was like... (laughs) Like this. Totally lit up and in love, you know? It was the most amazing transformation to see that. Is the greatest thing in the world. see people come from cranky old farts to like this. But not everybody. I remember I was standing there once and some guy walked into the temple and said, is that Maharaji over there? And I said, uh-huh. He said, God, he's ugly. <laughs> I saw all the beauty of the universe wrapped up in that blanket. And this guy saw an ugly an old man. Okay. He didn't last long. Everybody sees what they're supposed to see.
0: Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.